Welcome to The Partner Perspective. I'm Sheena Datani. I've been in the professional services recruitment market across corporate governance for almost eight years. I wanted to create a podcast series for my connections within the professional services industry, in particular at the partner level so that they're able to have a platform to share their experiences, challenges, their personal journey, and for those listeners that one day want to become a partner or get some free tips and tricks on how to progress your career. The guests on this show will come from big four, mid-tier and smaller boutique consulting firms discussing a range of topics from hiring talent, retention strategies, interview processes, leadership tips and ever-growing market demands. My partner connections will also have experience from various sectors, from financial services such as banking, insurance, wealth and asset management, right through to your corporate partners focusing on telecoms, media, manufacturing and wider sectors covering not-for-profit and the public sector. From this podcast, you'll gain insight into the front line of professional services. It will also take you inside global firms and features conversations with experts on issues that matter the most in business and management. If you're ready to release your full potential and want to learn the best practices, principles and best strategies, listen to this podcast where the key movers and shakers of this industry give tips to get to the top. Hi, everyone. I'm Sheena. And I'm very, very excited about our new podcast. This is our first episode. Um, A bit about me. I'm one of the directors here at IAC. I've been here for coming up to around eight years. I very much focus on the professional services market. So enough about me. I will get you introduced to our guest today, which is John. Hi, John. (laughs) Hi, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. It's such a pleasure to have you on here and our first one. So an absolute pleasure to get you on and I'm so, so excited. So I will let you introduce yourself. (laughs) Yeah, no, 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 thanks. I'm also very excited to be here. It's my first experience on a podcast. I'm sure it'll be fun. Um, Yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah, I'm sure it will. Um, Yeah, and as she said, my name's John Abbott and uh, I guess um, I was a partner in professional services for about 25 years yeah. and, uh, and had a quite varied um, career. So um, unusually, maybe for my peer group, I, I left school when I was 16 and I uh, first started working for the local county council uh, in the finance function. Uh, anyway, I decided I should um, do my exams. So it took me six years to become a chartered accountant at night school. And then um, I joined uh, KPMG in London and I worked there for about three years and then um, I heard that Cooper's a library, as it was, were building a really interesting risk practice. So I jumped ship and joined Cooper's a library and progressed through that. And then they, um, for some reason, they sent me abroad. They sent me uh, off to North America and I spent a few years with them. And then uh, some of the people may recall there was then a merger with uh, PWs and, and we became PWC. And um, at that time, um, actually KPMG asked me to go back. Um, so I went back to KPMG, stayed in North America for another three years. I then came back to the UK in 2000 and ran the UK risk practice for KPMG and then run the EMEA practice. And then I decided to take a career break and try and do some uh, other things, um, mainly uh, uh, around uh, property development. And um, I wanted to be a farmer. Um, a farm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a bit of a change. Yeah, I actually bought a little farm up in Suffolk, uh, which I, I have, still have. But anyway, um, but the temptation of work um, was too strong, and I um, 
join RSM, which is a, a mid-tier firm, to actually develop their private risk practice and sort of set that up. They were very strong in public sector. Um, but for various reasons, I ended up on the board of RSN. Um, they had some sort of governance issues and they needed some work done. And I was the head of client markets, clients and markets there. So I spent a lot of time driving around the country meeting mid-market clients, which was fascinating after being in the big four. Yeah. Anyway, we ended up actually selling a, um, selling a RSM to Baker Tilly, although it's now called RSM again, so it's been confusing. <laughs> so we did that, and then I, so I joined EY. Um, EY, I ran the UK risk practice, and then I ran the global and EMEA technology risk practice. Mm. And then, um, unfortunately, when you get to 60, <laughs> you have to retire as a partner. You're giving you a secret away. Yeah, so I'm, I'm now um, what they call unretired these days. Uh, so I've left a profession, but I've set up a very small uh, consulting business where I'm helping professional services firms in a, in a number of different ways, but it's all focused on how they can grow in the market as teams or as individuals. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll certainly, for, for all our listeners tuning in, um, we will definitely dig into that in this episode for sure, because that's a very exciting venture for you. And I'm sure the listeners or, you know, certainly from my professional services clients and candidates potentially want to hear more about that. So we'll certainly dig into that. Your introduction is really, really interesting. <laughs> you know about the farming oh, venture. Yeah. Um, but no, that's that's really exciting. You've clearly always been within the sort of big four, top ten remit, you know, yeah. throughout your career. And something that I'd sort of just like to point out or talk about is your your initial sort of route to go into finance was different and it's different to most people these days. Yeah. I mean we probably experienced international sort of ways of working quite quickly, didn't you? Because people don't tend to do that until later down the line. Traditionally, when they join, you know, they join on a grad scheme in professional services, stay there for a few years yeah. before they venture up. So, yeah, no, it's, it's not, it, compared to my peer group, it was an unusual route mm-hmm. to become a partner in the big four. Yeah. Um, and there are, there are certain advantages to it because, you know, I worked since I was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get a lot of work experience. Yeah. Um, the downside is you have to go to night school to get your qualification, which is really difficult. So um, there are certain advantages in that you're working, um, um, but the studying is, is, I think, more, more difficult maybe than yeah. coming in the normal graduate program. Um, but, but because I've been working quite a lot, when I did join KPMG, you know, I already had a lot of good experience, yeah. whereas perhaps graduates didn't have that. Yeah. So I think there are there are advantages. And um, yeah, the way I, the way I see it, um, maybe different to other people as well. You know, I, I see the big four and, and, and mid-tier firms as a huge opportunity to do lots of varied things. Mm. And I was lucky enough to have quite a number of different roles with different firms and worked in a lot of different countries. So, yeah. um, you know, it's a huge opportunity. Mm. And, and I think that's still the case, maybe more so, actually. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting as well. Um, I mean, just going into sort of your, your movements between KPMG RSM or Big Tilly at the time, um, and then your EY role. What what would you say the the main differences are between the big four and the top ten? Because I have a lot of candidates ask me that question. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good question. And um, 
you know, having worked a few of the firms, I think, you know, I can answer that fairly well. I think, firstly, it isn't the big four. Um, every, every one of the big four has a different culture mm. and a different way of operating, you know, different strengths, different weaknesses. And I think um, you know, to talk just about the big four is wrong. You've got to really think about the individual firms mm. and, and how they operate. And um, they're all very, I'd say, pretty different. Uh, in, particularly in terms of, say, you know, the actual cultures of the organisation. Some of the solutions are very similar. Some of the processes are very similar. But they all have different cultures. And I think it's very important if you are thinking of going into the profession to choose one of the big four that maybe suits your culture and, yeah. and suits your sort of aspirations. And um, I think the cultural differences are, are still quite profound. I think, you know, all the, the big four are very big. They're very powerful in the world, actually. Yeah. And they have huge brands. And that is different to a mid-tier firm. Mm. You know, mid-tier firms don't have so much brand value. They don't necessarily have such global reach. Mm. Um, but it, it makes it different. I think what I learned in, in the, in the mid-tier is um, you probably need to be much stronger with your own personal brand. You probably need to be much stronger with the way you develop relationships and serve your clients because yeah. it's more about you rather than a big brand. Yeah. So, that, so there's a big difference there. But I think there's also a thread that brings all of those types of professional services together. At the end of the day, it's all about people and all about clients. Yeah. And to some extent, there's a lot of noise around the big four and lots of other things going on. Yeah. But my advice to people, if you just focus on your team and your people, and serving your clients really well, then you, you can have a strong career. Yeah. yeah. Often what I have spoken to my network about in the past is I feel there's very much, oh, I've been at big, one before, so what's the difference? And I think therein lies what you just talked about earlier. And often what I've said is you've got the brand, but in, in, in fact what you had is you will have so many partners running their own teams, which means they have their own individual culture. So often what I say is, yes, I completely get, you know, working for a large global brand, who, you know, which has a good presence, but people buy people, people want to work for individuals. Yep. And when you put it like that, I think that's when, you know, the market that I always talk to, I like, oh, okay, I get your point. I will go and interview mm. because of what you've said. And it's just hearing that side. Yeah. Would you say that's fair? Oh, yeah. I, you, within the big four, yeah. if you chose anyone, there are different cultures just within that organization. Yeah. Because, you know, it's a partnership model. Yeah. And partnership partners that lead different parts of the firms tend to be, you're quite independent. People are their part of a big network yeah. and quite entrepreneurial. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, you know, you, it's very much about perhaps the relationship you develop with that, with that individual partner yeah. and whether you, you know, enjoy working with them or not and, and the type of work. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there's multiple cultures yeah. in any single big four, uh, depending on um, the part of the business in. I mean, you've got big difference, for example, between a consulting side of the business yeah. where it's more about getting in the market, selling big projects. Yeah which takes a certain type of style and a certain type of 
you know, a culture and an approach to, to work. Hmm. And then we have the other important side of the business, which is audit and insurance, where it's more about, you know, very much focus on quality of delivery. And so there's a, yeah, it's, a, it's a balancing act. And, and, you know, some people choose to go down the audit and insurance route because they're much more comfortable in delivering more technical solutions. Yeah. Others, you know, prefer to maybe more a consulting environment where it's free of thinking, big ideas, and mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more informal, maybe. Yeah. You know, so, and that's the thing I like about when the profession, you can find your route. You know, I moved from the insurance into consulting because yeah. I felt more comfortable in that work. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you can choose your route, I think, your path through through uh, a big four and, and, and um, you know, more mid-tier firms as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, good. Yeah. That's that's. I'm glad I had that fair judgment and view, <laughs> and you seem to agree as well. But yeah. some really interesting stuff there yeah. as well. Your your career, you've had a successful career. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, you are absolutely welcome. And, you yeah. know, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening, you know, to this, directors, partners who are looking to aspire to people like ourselves, or perhaps they even peers. You know, what what advice would you give? to those who are genuinely ambitious and I think professional services does require ambitious people, those yeah. who want to progress, you know, my whole slogans around professional services at IAC is ambition, you know, equipment with ambition. Shout out to Penny, um, who's our internal marketing employee who, who came up with that and she's doing some amazing stuff. But what, what sort of advice would you give to those who want to go down that route and, you know, come up the ranks or get to the next level? I think um, if we're talking about, you know, people wanting to be a partner, um, I think the first advice I would give is make sure you really want to be a partner. Mm -hmm. And I think really hard about whether that is right, you know, for you. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people in my career that want to be a partner, they plan their whole life around being a partner. Yeah. And either they don't make it mm. and, they're, and they're very disappointed or they do make it and they, they find it hugely difficult. Okay. So I think the first thing is you know, be very sure you're know, using your mentors and your coaches in your firm that, that, that you can be a partner and, yeah. and you really want to go for it. Because it's, it's, it's a difficult process just to try and get to partner. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's not easy. Every year, I think it's got harder and harder. Yeah. And I, I sort of almost feel sorry for, the, for those going through the process. It's quite stressful and um, yeah, difficult. And, and um, it's, it's amazing if, if, you, if you make it, but it's, it can be yeah. difficult if you don't. So yeah. the first thing is be sure you want to do that. Yeah. And then if you do, you know, be prepared for um, a lot of work and effort. Yeah. Um, but to become a partner for me, you know, was, was one of the proudest moments in my career because yeah. you do feel that, you know, you've, you've reached a level which certainly if you look at my career, I thought I never would. Uh, so, and, and I think, you know, if you make partners, you should be very proud of yourself. Yeah. A very small percentage of people yeah. make it and I think it's getting harder and harder. Yeah. The other thing about being a partner is one day you're a director or a senior manager <laughs> and the next day you're a partner. Yeah. When you become a partner, you're at the bottom of the, another hierarchy again. Yeah. And uh, you've got to be prepared for that and uh, work out how you can 
you know, move on and then um, start moving up again if you want to. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because there's, there's different levels, isn't there? You know, when I yeah. speak to partners, they're talking about, um, you know, junior partners, shared equity, you know, salaried partner. There's all these different yeah. sort of levels, as you said. So <laughs> yeah. I'm sure our listeners will definitely appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of change. Um, you know, some people will call partners now who are not equity partners, yeah. but are very, very good at what they do. Um, and that's a, that's a re- relatively recent thing. And yeah. others are more, you know, equity partners, mm-hmm. which is obviously different. So digging into your your journey then, at what point did you decide, I want to make partner? How did that come about? Well, you know, again, my story is maybe slightly different. Um, my, my view of working was... Um, more to do things that interested me, hmm. that challenged me, you know, and I, t- I took a few risks in my career, I think. And I didn't, I can honestly say I didn't have in mind the ultimate goal of being a partner until someone actually saw, you know, in those days, someone sort of tapped you <laughs> on the shoulder a bit and said, John, yeah, you, you're doing well. Hmm. With a bit of help and support, we, th- we think we can get you as a partner. Yeah. And it was only at that point I saw, you know, woke up or, I could be a partner, and they said, yeah, you could be a partner. So um, this is why uh, I alluded to a bit earlier that um, you'll be careful not to have this master plan to get there, I think, uh, because you could just disappoint yourself or it could take a lot longer. Yeah. I think if you you just focus on doing things you enjoy and doing the best you can, um, focus on the people and focus on your clients, good things can happen. That was my journey, but I've seen other people that had had the plan and, and made it and did fantastically well. But my, my I, I sort of went around the houses a bit to get there. You know. <laughs> Do you think a level of risk, take, like taking risks, is a good thing? And I'm talking to an auditor here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Calculated yeah. risk. Would you would you say because that's the thing? Sometimes it can pay off. Sometimes it might not go in your favour. But to me personally, life is about risk. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I took some big risks in my career, definitely. <clears throat> and and looking back, they seemed bigger risks than they seemed <laughs> at the time. So I think the first one for me was you know, moving myself and my whole family uh, to Canada. Mm. I was asked to go there to help set up a, a Canadian risk practice. So that's not only a, a risk from a, mm. from a career point of view; it's a risk from a personal family point of view. Yeah. Um, but that paid off me really well because I was given a lot more responsibility early. You know, I was, I was running a risk practice before I was even a partner. So I learned a lot mm. about how to develop teams, how to, how to develop a market and, and things like that. And working all across North America, you know, I got used to working in different cultures and different approaches. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was a big risk. But, but I gained a lot of experience. Mm. And uh, I think as a result of that, you know, I, I made partner fairly early. Mm. So I think, I think you do need to cal- take calculated risks, but don't, don't be afraid of them. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, you yeah, know, it, it may be that um, they don't work out, but there's always time to recover as well. You know, so so I, I took a few risks. So that was one of them. I, I had a few others, but um, mm. that was a very big risk. But that really paid off, actually. Yeah. And I think this this goes back to, I mean, as our culture here at IAC, we talk about it's okay to take that risk. If it fails, that's okay. We don't refer to it as fail because there's some sort of learning 
yeah. that has made you a better person than you were yesterday or the month before and yeah. so on. So I think that's, it, it's mindset. For me, it comes down to mindset around, I'm going to take that next step. I, uh, you know, I want to try and that's okay if it doesn't work out. It's almost, it's almost like water on the dog's back, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And surviving, you know, people will survive. You will go on and something else will come out. So, yeah, no, I think, um, you know, show, show my age. I think <laughs> the younger generation, you know, have a different view mm. <clears throat> in that the, they, they want to collect experiences on their CV annually. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's a really good thing. Mm. You know, uh, back in the day, so to speak, you know, a lot of our partners in the big four, Stayed in you know, the same firm for a long time. Yes. And, um, but, you know, if you look at my career, I moved around a lot, different countries, different firms. Mm. Um, but I gained a lot more experience maybe by doing that. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what younger people want. They don't necessarily want to stay in the same place. They may take the risk to move, mm. but they're gaining relationships, they're gaining experience, they're gaining confidence by doing it. Yeah. And if you just think of professional services as this, massive opportunity to do loads of different things in different countries yeah. that's the way you should look at it yeah absolutely i completely agree and you know it's because it is my market it's the only market i've ever done in recruitment i mean i i know someone personally who she she finished her university degree and she said what should i grow up and do and i was like get into audit, get into audit. <laughs> she is in audit <laughs> and she's one of the top she's with one of the top 10 firms and She's very much looking at, can I go up and do a secondment? You know, I've been doing this for three yeah. years now. It's an incredible opportunity to be able to do that. And I think that's what professional services very much advocates and, you know, provides compared to other industries, would you say? Yeah, de definitely. I, I think just touching on the audit point as well, mm -hmm. that, that's where I started. And mm -hmm. I think going into you know, external audit, internal audit, other types of assurance um, is, I think, one of the best, if you like, training you can have mm -hmm. you know, to move on to other things in the firm. Because doing assurance work gives you discipline. You understand process. You have, you have to get to understand the risks in an organization and the controls around them and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that gives you a real solid base for then you know, moving on to do you know different things um, within the profession, so so I, I think that point is um, re was really important to me. I feel that I had a, a real grounding. Yeah. So a good place to start in professional services, I think, is, is in the audit business definitely. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. So touching the one sort of reflecting back to your career, what what was a sort of what was the best piece of advice? someone gave to you where it just sat and or, or maybe you may have not quite <laughs> I speak to all sorts of different people and sometimes they've received really good advice or perhaps that might have not worked for them can you did you have anything like that I would say yeah I've, I've been very lucky <clears throat> it's one of the reasons why I you know, started doing a lot of coaching myself yeah. I have some very good mentors and very good coaches yeah. and you know every now and again they they would say that one thing and you go, wow, that really makes a lot of sense. So, again, I've alluded to a bit today, you know, I was told by a very senior partner once, you know, there's, there's only, there's, you know, the, the two things that matter are the people and the clients. Mm. You know, without people, you don't, you, 
you don't have obviously anyone to do the work for your this um and without clients you, you have no room yeah so you, there's so many other things that go on yeah. in a professional service environment but if you just focus on helping your people building good teams mm-hmm. and delivering excellent work to your clients then they'll sort of take you through uh, your career yeah. and um that still resonates with me now that advice and i still I use it, as you can tell, <laughs> quite often. I, th- I think the other thing is, um, you know, the, 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 there is this, um, I think I suffered a little bit from yeah, what people call imposter syndrome. Did you? Definitely, yeah. Because, you know, I didn't, I left school when I was 16. I mm. didn't have necessarily the greatest education. And you know, my peer group, you know, came through a different route, through graduates and everything else. And so you, you go into a big, big organization a professional services firm and you feel a little bit insecure yeah you know and i definitely had that for a while where um um i felt you know i had to really prove myself all the time and, and fight really hard and i had very good advice about that but, mm-hmm. um, that could be a negative and that you seem to be pushy and all that yeah but you have to use it as positive mm-hmm. you know that the, the experience you've had are just different yeah and, and you've got more work experience than those people you you perhaps understand people better because you work more. Yeah. So you have to use it as a as a as a positive. So you know, that really, what I'm saying there is, um, you hear it a lot, but it's very true. Is you know, be your authentic self. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot more we need to do in professional services, but we are more diverse and mm. more inclusive. And therefore, you know, be your authentic self, and you'll progress. You know, I think uh, particularly these days. Um, very, very well, just by being yourself, whoever you are. I think that's even resonated with me, and I'm sure it will do with our listeners. I have suffered with imposter syndrome. We have a women in leadership platform with um, Julia White at IAC, and she very much, we we have different partners come on. You know, Liz White has previously done some work with us around imposter syndrome. So... Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting you say that. I just never would have thought that's the challenge you would have faced, just listening, <laughs> yeah. just sitting opposite you. So, no, that's very very interesting. Shall we sort of move on to your new venture? <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm so excited to talk about that because I've been talking to people about it already. So I, I'll definitely <laughs> talk to you about uh, uh, after the recording. But talk to me about Evglo. What? Why have you set out? What is it? Fill us in. <laughs> uh, well, you know what. All credit to EY, actually. Um, you know, as you're retiring from EY, they give you a lot of support. Mm. And they really help you sort of decide what you might want to do uh, when you actually retire. Because, you know, we work pretty hard and you suddenly got this cliff before. Yeah. It's very important to have a plan. And they give you, you know, a business coach to help you. And I, I was pursuing maybe um, the traditional thing. You know, I'd, be, I'd become a non-exec and chair of an audio meeting and all those things that, you know, we like to do as, as ex-partners. Um, but it became clear as I was thinking about this and getting the coaching that that's probably not for me for, for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we hit on this idea of um, establishing a small consulting business, um, which is focused on, on the, focused on things I like doing, mm-hmm. being my authentic self. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, very much about helping people in the marketplace, you know, uh, growing um, practices, you know, growing themselves in the market. Mm. 
So, um, you know, things I'm doing really are, are twofold. It's, a, it's advising professional services firms um, how they can grow faster and in a more sustainable way. Mm. And I've developed a sort of four-step approach to that. And I take leadership teams, you know, through workshops, looking at their market position, looking at how they're dealing with clients, looking at their uh, brand, mm-hmm. and then looking at um, how they actually deliver on that plan. Um, and, I, you know, as I say, I just take leadership teams through that. And then uh, I started getting approached by individual uh, people, and it's usually people that want to be a partner, yeah. who have just become a partner. Yeah. And, the, you know, they said, you were, that was really interesting, you know, I can see how you helped me in the same way, just as an individual. Yeah. So I took what I was doing with the teams, and then I, I developed a coaching approach, which fundamentally deals with the same thing. It's, you know, how do you as an individual position yourself in the marketplace? Mm-hmm. How do you deal with your existing clients and obtain new clients? What's your personal brand? Mm-hmm. There's a great book I read once that says something like, actually, it was a quote from someone, I can't remember. Um, but it said, you know, your brand is what someone says about you when you leave the room. Absolutely. So what does that mean for you in, in how you present yourself? And the fourth module is how do you actually deliver? It's very well known all these things, but how do you consistently deliver? Yeah. So, yeah, I've developed a, a program that starts off just with um, a discussion about what the individual wants out mm-hmm. of the coaching program. And then once I understand that, there's a formal part where I sit down with them for an hour and a half once a month mm-hmm. and set them goals, set them objectives. But the bit I like most is the informal one. So they may have, you know, a difficult client meeting coming up or mm-hmm. a proposal to write. Yeah. And I'll just go in and help them. And I pretend to be the client, sit down with them. And they're real opportunities that are happening. So you get the live coaching as well. Mm. So I've been doing it for only about six months. Um, but actually only this morning I was, I was at... Um, professional services firm and they're, they're sort of heard about it and then they've asked me to pick up four of their people. And interestingly, it's ones they want to get to partner. Yeah. And uh, two that have just made it and are sort of, you know, overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's what I developed and I, yeah. I, I really enjoy doing it. Yeah. Well, I can definitely see you're passionate about yeah. this. And, you know, they, there must be, you know, so many people that will be listening to this, directors, you know, even new partners who, like you said, who are overwhelmed, you know, how, how can your coaching platform support them to help their business grow? Yeah. And the fact they're getting support from someone like yourself who has been there done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Essentially. The, yeah, the, the feedback I've got so far is, is sort of that. Yeah. You know, I've, I've got the grey hair, so I've been there and done it. Got the experience. Yeah, but yeah, my definition of experience, actually, I guess probably another quote someone gave me once. <laughs> Is I'm just older than you, you know, and therefore I've made more mistakes. Because yeah. <laughs> we learn by mistakes. Absolutely. But yeah, I think the feedback I've got is good because you've been there and done. And I have, and I, I think um, you can add a lot of value to individuals um, from that experience. Um, so yeah, so far so good. You know, and I think particularly new partners, I think there's even more pressure than ever these days yeah. in the professional services to perform. Yeah. You know, you've got to be able to so you've got to be able to deliver 
Cool. You've got to be able to you know, really treat your people really well. You've got to demonstrate great values. There's yeah. so many things that need to be done that, you know, it can be overwhelming. Yeah. And having an independent voice, if you like, mm. to talk to you about those things and give a bit of advice on how they deal with those and set priorities. Mm. I think it's probably needed more now than ever. Yeah. Know, so. yeah. I think even, even though I'm not in audit, I am recruitment for audit and risk and yeah. corporate governance in general. I feel I can relate because I think when you get past the senior manager direct degree, mm -hmm. you're right. You have so many plates spinning. You, you, you need to look after your people. And it goes back to what you said earlier. Mm -hmm. You need to look after your people. They are doing the work. You've then got to grow the business still because yeah. business development is a key part of what we do. <laughs> Exactly. And then the learning and development, you know, the coaching stuff. I think, you know, you've got to, you've got to maintain your current relationships, your account management with the clients that already exist. Yeah. And therein lies so many different spinning plates. And I think when you do get promoted, again, like I said, it goes back to, am I doing this right? Am I good enough for this? The imposter syndrome kicks in. Yeah. And I think all of it together does become such a challenge. Yeah. Well, I think the, the expectation, which is wrong, there's an expectation that as you as a, a potential partner or a partner that you, you're good at everything. Mm. And it's completely wrong. Yeah. So what I try and do a lot through the coaching is to work out what a person is really good at mm. and what they enjoy doing mm. and focus on that. So some people are very uncomfortable trying to sell. And no matter what how you coach them or the training that you give them, mm. it's not them. They can't do it. But those people are usually really good at delivery. Yeah. So the thing is to take the pressure away from them. So you, you don't enjoy doing mm. you, You're probably not ever going to be that person. So we recruit people to do that. Yeah. Or find another way of doing it. But you're brilliant at client delivery. Mm. So we're going to work on that. Yeah. We're going to get you even better at it. We're going to get you doing more of it. Mm. And that takes away this sort of pressure, I think, of having to be good at everything. Yeah. Just accept what you're not good at and... Mm compensate for that in some way mm. but individually just focus on what you're good at and, yeah, and you'll get so, yeah. yeah and i think this is where your coaching skills come in you know to to make that assessment um you know and work with the team to look at different skills and who is good at what and i think within a team you need to look at the build-up any business needs to look at the build-up you've got the people who are good at x and great go with that and then you've got other people who are good at other things. And that's what makes a team. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and uh, combining the skills in the right way and, and showing good leadership is, mm. is, is what brings the, you know, that collective team together. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. So for any of our listeners that are questioning or wondering, can you make it to partner? Obviously, John has said, go and think. Have a good think if that's what you want to do. And... You know, if you are a director or a newly newly promoted partner, I'm pretty sure you can leverage what John has been certainly doing for most of his career. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope, I hope so. Well, I hope I've been of help to people. Absolutely. It's been raw. It's been honest. There's been yeah. things that I've learned about you that I didn't know. So it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It's been great to have you on. And yeah, yeah we will look forward to catching up with you in the future. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you.